90% of CPG founders know that e-commerce is a critical sales channel for growth, but it's usually challenging to increase sales conversion, which leads to low online sales, higher customer acquisition costs, and slower sales velocity. Now, if you're a CPG founder who has the same problem, then we've got good news for you. Our team at The Vineyard developed the complete playbook for creating a killer CPG website that converts. This has six proven strategies to build a CPG website that sells itself. Download your free copy now at thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook. That's thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook. Brandstar Goes Healthy features founders and CEOs of healthy food and beverage CPG companies who share their biggest successes, hardest failures, strategic learnings, and tactical tips so you can learn from them and help you avoid mistakes and instead succeed in building your own healthy food and beverage brands. If you lead a vegan, plant-based, organic, all-natural, functional, and other healthy food and beverage CPG company, then this show is for you. Hosted by Leonard Grape founder and CEO of The Vineyard, the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage CPG industry. Hey everybody, it's Leonard here and this is the Brand Start Goes Healthy podcast, the show that helps better for you food and beverage CPG companies build stronger brands through first-hand stories and insights from successful CPG founders. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Hank Watt, co-founder of Nature's Wild Berry, a brand that offers packaged Ladidi berries that turn sour sweeter than sugar in 30 seconds and make healthy foods taste like candy. Hank, welcome to the show. Oh, Leonard, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Before we get going, can you please tell us a brief background about yourself and what you do? Sure. So the short version is that I became friends with a guy who ran a restaurant and uh, in Santa Monica, it was really famous for having raw food and it attracted so many vegans that uh, when it came time to des- to serve desserts, nobody would order because he put honey on every single dessert, thinking that this was the way that he could get around the sugar issue. But if you've ever worked in restaurants, you know, you make quite a bit of your margin on desserts. And so if you go without serving that many desserts, you're looking for a solution. Anyway, the short version is that he found these berries on an interesting facts app that he was just scrolling through one night. And he decided, you know what? I think that this could be it. But my friend over here, Hank, would be a great guinea pig to try this out on. And um, he made this the healthiest smoothie that you could imagine. I don't know if you've ever tried to put dandelions and chard and, oh, and wow. all these greens with unsweetened cranberry and lemon together, but it is not pleasant. It's not, does not taste like candy. And um, the berries coated my taste buds. I did it for 30 seconds. The whole time I was thinking, you know, this would probably work for other people, but not me. You know, I was so like, uh, ca- you know, cautiously um, doubtful, um, but, you know, I was willing to give it a try. Mm-hmm. And then I, I took my first sip and I swear, Leonard, uh, have you ever heard the harps play and the gates open up and the ray of sunshine? Oh, uh, that's magic. I know, Hank. <laughs> like heaven was looking out for me and um, I was amazed. I started using it every day for my own well-being because salads were not a part of my diet and now they were becoming entrees. Apple cider vinegar was something I always pushed away and now I was putting it in everything. Uh, You know, I was living this really sweet sort of lifestyle, but everything that I was having was healthy and unsweetened. And, um, you know, it, it did nothing short of changed my life. And uh, for three years, I would just use this berry for my own use from 2013 to 2016. Everybody asked me, you know, like, Hank, what is your secret? 
what are you doing that's so different? And I would give them this berry and one by one, you know, I would just watch people lose their minds. Like it would just blow them away and it would never got old to me. And um, they all said, you know, why isn't this a thing? And, mm -hmm. you know, I had to think about it. Like, you know, I was 33 years old when I found out about these berries. And to me, I couldn't believe, I mean, to me, it still sounds like Jack and the Beanstalk beans, you know, like, you know, but, um, you know, everyone said that you need to make this a thing and you need to take it on a shark tank. And you just hear that over and over and over. And then, you know, after three years, I just told Giuliano, you know, no one is doing this. If one person was working with this berry, we wouldn't need to, you know, then I could just buy from them. But at the time it was five to $6 a berry. And when you took into account that it needed overnight shipping and an ice pack, and that made it heavier, it was up almost about $10 a berry. And it was just uh, ridiculously expensive. And um, so when we started this uh, company, we made it our mission to make this berry more affordable and more available. Because if it's going to make an impact, it's going to need to reach a lot of people. And that's the only two ways you can do that. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, it's seven and a half years later. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and now we've taken that five, six, $10 serving down to 47 cents for a 15 to 20 minute experience. And oh, uh, wow. on like pretty much all the major online marketplaces and and uh, we're bringing it into retail for the very first time ever. So that sounds exciting. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And, and thank you so much for sharing that, Hank. There's a lot that I will I will need to unpack from that premise. And I'm really excited to go deeper into this conversation. But I'll ask the first official question that I ask all my guests first. And I know you've touched on this a bit when you got in touch with your best friend and then you discovered this. Um, this magic fruit, as I'd like to call it, and we were talking about it off the record. But how did your brand start exactly? So when you already have this idea, and it seems to me that you've taken a look at the market landscape, when and where did you officially start Nature's Berry? And what were those early days looking like, Hank? Yeah, yeah. So I guess the name was something that we thought a little bit about because in the U.S. out here, in all the natural markets, if you have anything in your name that's natural, guess what? It's not natural. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, we're all a part of nature. And so nature really resonated with me. So that was the first word. And then this experience, we needed a word that kind of summed up the experience. And that was a totally wild experience so 100% nature 100% wild and we just had to let people know that this was not like a man-made thing this is a berry you know when I tell people I'm going to give them demos you know I point out in the first 10-20 seconds this right here is a berry and it's going to coat your taste buds and then you, the magic is going to happen where sour becomes sweet and it doesn't just happen like one time or just long enough for you to enjoy one thing. This is like a 20 to 40 minute experience, depending on if you have the whole berry or if you just have one serving, which is half a berry. So you have plenty of time to enjoy a beverage or enjoy a whole yogurt or meal or fruit bowl or salad or anything. And, um, and you can crave it. You know, the juice was the thing that I really sold me like i started really looking forward to juicing every day which i never thought i would say today mm -hmm. um, when it tastes like jolly rancher candy <laughs> and it has no like apple pineapple pear agave honey all the things that defeat the whole purpose of a, a juice then you really look forward to it because you love it and then it happens to be healthy as a side effect you know you've mentioned like different types of healthy smoothies and, and juices. And it got me reminded of a time in my life when I also wanted to try juicing. You know, I saw this recipe hang that will, you know, help you detox your body. So it has like paprika, it has like ginger, it has lemon, it has like olive oil. And the, the, 
the the tiebreaker for me was the cayenne pepper. I didn't realize it's gonna be so hot and you know it's gonna explode in your in your mouth when you drink it. So I'm I'm getting where you're at right now in terms of the type of problem that you're trying to solve. Also, that it's not just like any type of CPG product, right? Uh, which leads me to my next question, Hank. You've been running your company now for about eight years. Congratulations, man. That's that's a real sign of longevity. It's not easy to grow a CPG brand, but let me bring you back some more in time and ask you, what were your key challenges early on when you were starting out? Yeah, well, we face a lot of doubt. A lot of people told us that just having the berry preserved couldn't be done. They told us that it had been tried and failed for three decades, you know, over 30 years. And uh, just to mark their words, like when we fail, just remember that they told us that it was going to be a waste of time and a waste of money. And um, so some people will, would hear that and they would just stop before they even got started, right? Um, other people would hear that as a challenge. And I'm one of those people. I'm like, okay, all right, so it didn't work for you. Uh, you're telling me it didn't happen so far, but I'm pretty positive that we can preserve this and we can do it in a way that's chemical free and it um, is preserved at peak potency. So I'd say the number one thing is, is um, getting the product to a place that, you know, you can really wow people. You can give them an experience that they really didn't think could ever happen. And then the second thing that we heard is that, you know, it couldn't be brought to retail. Like this could not be a viable product. It's just a gimmick. Um, you know, it has no real use cases. And I'm sitting back thinking, you know, Leonard, this changed my life. You know, there's a lot of people that can relate to somebody like me who really loves taste. Like taste is the ultimate thing. And sometimes for me, all I could think about was taste. And uh, for a lot of people, especially when you when you talk about diets, you, you hear the standard American diet and it's and it stands like SAD, standard American diet. And, it, and it's kind of sad, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, it's full of processed foods. It's full of sugary substances. I mean, it's full of, of fried food. And, um, you know, there's a reason why we have all this chronic ailments, you know, and that's where I was headed. I, I was given a diagnosis of prediabetes. It really scared me to the point where I was like, I've got to do something. And I remember it was um, the day after Thanksgiving in 2012. And I don't know if you've ever had a Thanksgiving meal, but you just, sometimes you just don't stop eating. And I, I was feeling like the largest I had ever felt. I was 250 pounds at the time. I was a, a size 45 plus waist. And, um, and like I said, it, facing diabetes. And at the time I was willing to try anything, anything. I just didn't want it to be one of those things that promised one thing and then it didn't deliver. You know what I mean? And um, because I had yo-yoed in the past, I, emotional eaters understand that, you know, in good times and in bad times, we're eating and we're drinking. Like we're trying mm -hmm. to lift spirits and uh, and to be with other people. And, and that's kind of the trap that you fall into is that once you lose the weight and then things go downhill from you, like if you have a bad breakup, for example, or if your dream job kind of uh, lays you off because you're going through like the 2008 recession or mm -hmm. whatever, like <laughs> whatever you can find, right? Right. Um, then, you know, you're just going to gain the weight back because you're going to go back to your old ways. And and for a lot of people, that hope gets lost. You know, a lot of people start thinking, why would I go through the torture of feeding myself something I don't like to taste? Right. Mm. I don't like the, the hard work of losing the weight um, only to gain it back, you know, when life happens. And, and so that was to me, when, when people said, you know, this is a gimmick, this wouldn't work, this has got, you know, no value in the marketplace, I'm looking at this berry like, well, you don't have my experience, you know, you, this berry has allowed me to crave, like satisfy my cravings, crave things that I normally would not want to eat. And um, I swear to you, as, as right as rain, uh, I would be 60 pounds heavier than I am today, at least, and with diabetes. Um, if it was not for this berry, I'm telling you right now, like I'm not, 
I'm not saying that. And so anyway, when I, it took three years for me to convince my best friend to become my co-founder. And when I did it, it was because I was tapping into something that I felt like the world needed, especially people here in America that feel like, you know, Ozempic is the answer or any, you know, any pill, any magic thing. And it just so happened that, like you said, this berry is known as a magic berry. You know, it's just, yeah. it just loved that. And I thought it was a little cheesy and corny, but it, it, uh, it, it did nothing short of change my life. And when people hear that, they also think cheese and corny, but it's the absolute truth. So th those are the two biggest things I would say is that people said that the, the product couldn't be made. It couldn't be brought to market and that no one would accept it and, and no one would see the value. And um, I would say to anybody who is listening to this and, and you know, otherwise, you know, you've heard, you've heard that before and you know, otherwise, um, you take it as a challenge, you know, like, go ahead. Like, don't be afraid to prove them wrong. You know, like, you know what you know, and no one knows what you know. That is so powerful, Hank. And for everyone's listening to this right now on the audio, I was nodding my, my head like crazy, agreeing with Hank, because that's such a powerful thing to share. It's easy to doubt ourselves, especially in, in a situation when you're not considered as an expert in the field or you're just starting out and you're trying things. But what I saw in your experience, Hank, is you're really rooted in such a, it's such a deep personal experience that you know this could help other people as well. And, and that can be both a, a, an advantage and a disadvantage. I say an advantage because look at how you dealt with those doubts, knowing that you've got this experience and it was life-changing for you. Why not bring this out of the market and try it out at least, right? Because you know that this could address a certain problem. I say sometimes it can become a disadvantage, Hank, because other CPG founders, it could be easy to just fall in love with your idea and just say, now, you know, I really don't care about the doubters, which should be the case, right? But in your case, I felt like it was a real business proposition in your head that has a deep personal root, which is, which is really powerful. But now I'd like to talk to you about what you've seen in terms of successes in, in, your, in your space. What I've seen as a pattern so far, Hang, is that in terms of overall success in CPG, I've actually written about this very recently. I found that there are three things that help move the needle for, for CPG brands. One, obviously, is going to be driving product trials, uh, which I think is a core factor in regardless of what stage you're in as a company, right? The regardless. second would be, yep, and the second would be generating repeat purchases, uh, and then the last one, how do you expand your sales footprint? So I want to zero in on driving product trial because while you've got such an exciting product, I don't think it's as consumer expanded in terms of awareness, right? Across the board, whether you're doing marketing or not, generally you're starting at a base. What have you seen as factors that drove your consumers to try your product? Is it branding or marketing? What are your thoughts on this and what's your experience with, with your brand? Well, um, it helps that we have like thousands and thousands and thousands of years of wondering what red berries taste like, you know, <laughs> like we, we have that built into our history. And so um, I knew that that we had that going for us. But um, because I had spent 10 years in food service, mostly as a server and a trainer, um, and then my co-founder has spent, you know, almost his entire life as a, as a restaurant owner, his, is his family's restaurant, but you know, as a two or three-year-old, you're in there scooping ice, right? <laughs> and you're cutting up lemons, <laughs> you know, you're working as a kid your entire life, um, and by the way, just as a quick aside, that's how I knew that Juliana would be such a great founder is because, you know, hit the work ethic never stops mm -hmm. for both of mm -hmm. us. So uh, find somebody who, who matches you and compliments you in that area. But to get back to your question about trial, um, you know, yeah, yeah, we do wonder what red berries are like, but I was going restaurant to restaurant where we're based out of in Santa Monica, because that's what I knew. Um, my best friend was worried uh, about selling desserts. And um, that's what we knew. 
I could talk to, you could tell, Leonard, I could talk to anybody all day. I could walk in knowing that if it's an owner, if it's a manager, front or back house, if it's a sous chef, if it's an executive chef, whoever I'm talking to, mm-hmm. you know, in about 30 seconds, they're going to be like, thank you for showing me this. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, so you have to walk in with that kind of confidence. But um, that was probably just like every founder when they start out probably the incorrect approach because now go back in time to 2016 when when we launched this product um and i'm going door to door i'm getting a lot of motivation online from a guy named gary vaynerchuk i don't know if you recall or heard that name before but this guy is one heck of a motivator and yeah i I know him felt like I needed mo- yeah like you probably know, don't need motivation but just to listen to this guy and see his work ethic too um, no doubt motivated me and so uh, what I went to do right away in 2016 was to bring the berries up to his office in Los Angeles and uh, we we brought our videographers we did the whole Gary type of thing and uh, we got a meeting and it was eye-opening because after the demo um, the message that we left with the takeaway that we left with was stop what you're doing right now like what you're doing is fun it's great exciting but this is an influencer play all day and that really, I really took that to heart. And we began seeding our product and I began spending the time that I would go door to door, which was maybe three, four, five, six, seven hours a day. I spent all that time behind DMs, you know, if, if it was LinkedIn DMs and building those relationships, if it's Instagram DMs, I'm building those relationships. So I think that you need to treat everyone equally and you need to find a flow that works for you. And um, a lot of companies don't get this in the way that I understood it, right? Because you need to take a much more human approach, especially if you're an unknown brand or unknown product. Um, What you need to do, and I'm just kind of giving away the secret sauce here, is you need to ask one or two questions tops in the beginning, just to get a little bit of curiosity going just to spur a little bit of interest. And um, I see when I get messages on, on Instagram or LinkedIn, what I get is like these long, long Long pictures right away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) These are the ones that get ignored, you know? And so, uh, and so, you know, get to the point, make it fun, make it curious, curious. And uh, that's what we did. And never expect something in return. You give because that's the magic of giving. And when your product fulfills and it actually does what it says it does, it makes it a rare thing because so many products out there claim to be something and they fall so short. And um, as somebody who's going to be the best salesperson in your organization as the founder, you always have to underpromise and overdeliver. Right. You can't do it the reverse way. Otherwise, you're just going to fall into the sea of these other things that, you know, no one really is going to care about. And I think that the uh, influencers that are all on our social media, um, I think that they connected with a couple of things They connected with Mother Nature. I think that that's really helpful um, in the product and the mission, what we're trying to do. But also, I think that they connected with the, the way that we approached it. You know, we did, we had no expectation. We didn't tell them what to do. If anything, you know, we just kind of threw the ball in their court and let them have their own experience and let them have their own reaction. And it was real. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos that have millions and millions. When you add it all up, it's 300 and hundreds of millions of views, um, 300 million views that social media influencers across YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, you know, and when they do that, you can't fake that reaction. Yeah, right? that's true. When you experience it, and but you can hear when they're told to say a script and you're on the receiving end, like you're in the audience, like, wait a minute, that's not how they normally talk, you know? And like, <laughs> like Tim Dillon making fun of the whole process too. It's like pretty funny. But um, that that is what helped us get the word out um, 
no question word of mouth also because this is something that you want to share with your friends this gives you social credibility every time i did a demo people always told me hey you know who really needs to try this and they would get someone they loved man someone they cared deeply about they would give me their name who they were to them and why you know and then that told me that this is going to be shared a lot and it could be shared at parties dinner parties you know restaurants it could be shared at birthdays, it could be shared at all kinds of events, like almost every single event, you're going to be eating or drinking something that could be shared there. But what really told me was that this is going to be shared with between people who had very close relationships, man, this was going to mm -hmm. be shared by people who loved each other. You see what I mean? And so that word of mouth is is um, priceless. So we went uh, very long. In fact, to this day, we've never done a paid ad on Facebook ever. Wow, good for you. Never done a paid ad on Instagram or, or YouTube. Um, the only paid advertising we've ever done is uh, PPC on Amazon, you know, mm -hmm. just to put us up there. Um, but, uh, but that was how we did it. So making it more affordable, obviously, that's going to help people buy, making it more accessible, putting it on platforms like Amazon that people can buy around the world. And then, you know, giving it a shelf life, because, you know, when we first started, this was so perishable, it would last two hours on the counter or two days mm -hmm. in the refrigerator or less than two weeks in the freezer, you know, and you just don't have a good product, you can't ship it around the world. In cases like that it becomes too expensive. And so when we when we freeze dry it, now, now it has like years worth and it can oh. be this ambience, right? So you make the product good enough, make it special enough and you let it connect with people and you don't tell them how to use it. You let them kind of like, man, you remember ever going to, you ever remember going to like a museum or like, yeah, yeah. and right. And they have the beautiful work of art, but they don't tell you what to think. They mm -hmm. have with the artist, like when they were born and if they passed, you know, if they're in another world or whatever, they have that date, but they don't tell you what to think. They leave it up to you. And so that's the magic of this. Like you don't tell people how to experience it or what to, you know, what to think, you know, yeah. let them, let them, let them hook in and then share it with other people. And that's the magic. So that, that, that question. yeah, yeah, definitely hang. And there's a lot of like nuggets of, brand and marketing wisdom that, that other CPG founders can take from that. One thing that I've been advocating in the field is that, especially when you're starting out, you're not necessarily, you do not necessarily have to be everywhere, right? Especially yeah. in such a, yeah. such a tough field and capital intensive and tight margin, which I'll lead on after this uh, bit. But you got to figure out what's your primary marketing touch point where you can have the most leverage. And if you have some bandwidth and resources, maybe have a secondary and a third marketing platform. Like in your case, that's such a powerful proof, right? You were doing door to door. You were probably taking a look at service-based um, touch points. But when you talk to Gary Vaynerchuk and then realize that, yeah, this is going to be influencer play. And it amazed me that it was actually even you as a founder, as a co-founder who did that, a lot of that outreach and some tactical notes that I got there is you got to be, you got to be very genuine. And I would say this, a two-word underrated success tip that a lot, a lot of business founders or owners use would be this. Be kind. Oh. Right? Like in your case, just give. Other people, even when you get haters, be kind. You know, when we, we I don't know if you've seen our Instagram, but sometimes we get these one-star reviews and it says like the product doesn't work, right? And it's about 10% of the people that will say like it doesn't work, one star. And you know what I put on the, when I posted those on Instagram on our stories, you know, like, protect free speech you know like, <laughs> important stuff like you yep. know what I mean? yep. like be kind to be kind to people and because uh and also yourself and don't don't attack in a, even if you think it's going to get you press don't attack with negativity you know yeah. if you're going to go on the attack if you're going to go on the offensive attack with love right because if for example I'm 250 pounds, size 45 plus waist, pre-diabetic in 2006, uh, 2013. 
if there was a company that was doing nature's wild berry before us and it was trying to reach me do you think that i would have given them the time of day if they were criticizing my lifestyle if they were criticizing the food i ate if they were you know if they were negative towards me guess what i'd have showed them the hand you know like yeah i wouldn't even try their product so like what you said be kind because you're meeting people where they're at mm -hmm. exactly this is this is really great and and i know we can talk a lot more about brand development as i'd love to say that's sort of my favorite cpg subject but i've got another second favorite subject in the cpg space hang which is the pnl dynamics because it just baffles me to to think that it's such a tight game in terms of financial metrics and and margins to the point that i've probably written it a few times in my articles in linkedin that if you're serious about getting into business, you got to know that CPG is probably one of the worst industries to be in, <laughs> like financially, right? As it is for most people. Exactly. But so I'm going to go. Exceptions. Yeah, I love <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to go to this because I want to shift with our conversation a little bit. So I love that you're getting excited, Hank, because I know I'm going to, I'm, I'm preempting this a little bit because that's the general truth pattern that I've seen. So I want to ask you about your financial metrics because as I said, the general truth that I've seen is number one, it's capital intensive and second, margins are tight and tricky. Fortunately for me, I've got the, the pleasure to see your Shark Tank episode, the one that you shared with me. And I know the second part doesn't seem to be the case for you. You don't have tight margins. You're enjoying amazing margins. I was so, you know, I was so like, baffled in a positive way this time when I heard you answer and said that you've got this amazing margin. So I won't preempt that, but tell me about what are your product mar margins and what are your financial dynamics or metrics looking like, Hank? Okay, great. Yes, people can go out of business by sampling too much, giving away their product. You know, like the, I think that the broker system, the way that it has been for the last, I don't know, 50 plus years, um, exploits the brands that are trying to make it. Um, and I think that there are ways that you can, as a brand, make some really big mistakes early on. If you're listening to the wrong people, um, or also if you're not like really thinking it through in your mind, like everyone will tell you getting on shelf is not, is not the goal. Like that is like, that's like basically um, saying that I, I tried out for the softball team and I made the team. Okay. Uh, congratulations. You know what I mean? Like, what about winning? You know, like what is, yeah. right? Like, don't you have to like go to practice every single day and don't you have to prove yourself on the field and off the field? Isn't training such a huge thing? Like, don't you have to eat like, I'm just all this is a metaphor to say that um, you have to you have to know that when you go into the CPG world, which is basically where do people buy food and products that they are using consumer packaged goods with, they buy it at the store generally, you know, but, um, you know, Gary in this Vaynerchuk uh, ethos that I was in kind of proved to me that. You know, brands cannot make their own brand. The only way a brand can be built is off the effort of its customer base. That's the only way a brand can be built. And so if you want to, you can't walk into a store or even a marketplace online and say, you know, lay down the red carpet, give me the white glove treatment. No, like that's not how it works. Like, um, People have to be demanding your product. People have to be excited about. People have to be wondering, where can I buy this thing? And you have to drive them into that store. And that can't be like um, a customer who's looking for like something that's, you know, 50 cents or a dollar or, you know, margins. It has to be something that the store or the marketplace can get excited about. Right. And so, um, all that to say, I knew that before we had to go into the natural channel, this is perfect for natural. I mean, how do you get more natural than a berry? Come on, right? Am I yeah. right? Yep, you know, yep. It's, you know, maybe other founders before me would have tried to put it in a store right away, but it would have been premature. 
you know, and their PNL would have had all this distribution deductions that you, you, first of all, if you're brand new to CPG, open up a book on, on deductions and distribution. It, it will blow you away. Like make some friends on LinkedIn who do it for a living and, you know, they will post about, um, like all the blind spots that you have. And, and that includes promotions too. Like, you know, these, these stores really are going to entertain your brand for a very short window in their year. Right. Otherwise you're not getting into the store that year, like just one little period of time and you're waiting for that one year to do it right. And if you, if you mess up, you got that one chance to sell off shelf for velocity's sake. And if you don't have the mm. velocity, someone else is coming in there and taking your spot. And so, and then being delisted is kind of like being branded, you know, like one grocery store talks to another store and they're like, what did you hear about X, Y, and Z brand? And oh yeah, we delisted them. Ugh. I don't, I don't know if I want to return their phone call or their email mm -hmm. or however you're trying to reach out. To yeah. them, right. So if you want to protect your PNO, you need to have the strategy in place where you've got leverage, you know, which is why, um, you know, we only started entertaining the idea of grocery um, until after we had huge names and a lot of recognition and a lot of views and a lot of repeat purchases, you know, um, I think uh, one of the things that wasn't aired on Shark Tank was our reorder rate. And, um, you know, at the time in 2022, when we aired, it was just over 30%. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of trial and, um, and I think a lot of that was also attributed to, I didn't really push how to use it. I just wanted to push that it was not a scam that we, that the product worked. You just had to follow the instruction. Like I wanted, I didn't want the message to get lost in, you mm. know, here's how you get um, the best benefits and all that stuff. I, I wanted, like I alluded to earlier, I wanted people to figure that part out for themselves. Right. And understand that they were getting like a really great deal as our prices continue to come down. Mm. Um, because we've come down 12 X since we started our mission. That's great less than 47 cents a serving is 12 times. You know, so our customers see that our prices are coming down and that's a good reason for them to keep reordering because it's unlike, unlike this mm -hmm. high inflation, you know, scenarios that we're seeing right now where food has just skyrocketed over the last few years. Um, you know, we're one of the companies that are bringing our, our prices down. So um, to answer your question, you know, um, you can't lose money sampling. You have to charge for samples. And that's what we did. We, we charged $5 for our sample. Um, so we changed that as we got wiser to having that $5 cover shipping cost. So we did, tr we ran trial saying here, here's your free sample try it out. You're going to, you know, totally have your mind, you know, nine out of 10 people who read the instructions are going to go crazy. Right. Cause mm -hmm. they saw it from a friend. They know how to do it from an influencer. They're not just, you know, rushing greatness as I like to put it. Uh, because that 30 seconds, I know, I know <laughs> you tried it. You, you, you do, you do get tempted to swallow it fast, but yeah, your PNL is going to be, um, your baby. I happen to have a degree in finance and I used to run P&Ls for my previous jobs. So I re I understood, you know, how important it was to, to um, not be in the red, you know, the red is not a great place that you want yeah. to live. You don't have a whole lot of um, runway there. You're looking at certain death if you don't turn some things around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trial um constantly being in front of people and getting feedback on your product is going to work great like if if you're in a grocery store right now there should be no reason why once a week you as a founder i'm talking just directly to founders right now you once a week need to be in that store you know for several out three hours at least you need to be showing other new up-and-comers you need to be training. You need to be teaching people how to stop people, how to get interest right away, mm -hmm. how to get them to take that, 
sample immediately and then shoot the hell up and let them tell you what they like you know listen to your customer right and and get that feedback because that is that's what brands pay so much money for and they outsource that but that's right there in front of you right and then you have an opportunity to actually sell the product in the store you know like you can make 300 400 500 dollars for your brand in three hours worth of time if you are on it you know you bring the energy um and so so you can do so many things there but i hope i'm getting to the point where it's like um you know your liabilities are that people don't know your brand that's the biggest liability pre-biggest liability you have no leverage the biggest liability is you have to pay these deductions for distribution and you don't even know how to get off shelf you're going to get delisted. That's a huge liability. Um, and, and, and you need to be patient. A story that I love uh, real fast before we move to the next question is, um, you know, we're in Erewhon, Calabasas. Giuliano and I are doing demos and Travis Barker's sitting on the, you know, like, you know, it's, there's a bunch yeah. of these in here at this store. And uh, Jaden Smith comes down with his girlfriend down the aisle. <laughs> like Jaden, you want to try these? Have you ever had a flavor changing berry? He's like, a what? A flavor changing berry? I was like, yeah, this this berry here. Just try this out real quick. Thirty seconds on you. Did the whole demo for him, right? You know, his next thing was, yeah, guys. Do you think that me and my girlfriend could do these demos? And they took over demoing for us for wow. While wow. right? so like create that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, Love that. you can do it only if you're there and showing up is half the battle, but the other half of the battle is bringing the energy. If you don't have the energy, people are going to look at you like you're dead. If you're standing behind your demo booth and you just look like, you know, anyone can just pass by and you don't care. Oh man, you're all, you're wasting your time. You know, you should be, you should be inviting people to your party. So, you know, tap into that. That's that's one of the, my things. And then once you have a demand, then you'll see the velocity and your PNL will take care of itself. That's wonderful. That's sort of like a mini crash course already and how you can better take care of your PNL as a CPG founder. I appreciate that, Hank. This has been really going great. And it seems to me that we can talk about this hours and hours. But, you know, as part of my job is to make sure that I manage this well. So I'm going to, I have a couple more questions. But what I do now would be uh, we have to work towards wrapping up, Hank. And one thing that I love to do uh, in, in this podcast is, do a recap of some of the key highlights that I've been learning from you and, you know, uh, from this conversation. So I'll do that and then I'll ask the, the final question and then we'll move on to the last segment of the show. Hey guys, we're taking a quick pause for this message. If your website has weak sales conversion rate, lower online sales, leading to higher customer acquisition costs and slower sales velocity, then you need to download the complete playbook for creating a killer CPG website that converts. This has six proven strategies that can help you build a CPG website that sells itself. Download your free copy now at thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook. That's thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook. Now back to the conversation. First thing that I want to emphasize in this conversation, and I haven't touched on this in, in many of my podcast episodes, and I think I should, is the importance of brand naming. You've got such a simplified name, Nature's, Nature Wild Berry, but when you sort of broken it down, it shows the power of how you can be strategic and tactical with the name. Because others would just, you know, want to have a name because they like it as a founder, but it doesn't work that way. The name is a core part of your entire brand identity. In your case, name that links you to the nature. And, and you know, you didn't use natural because it has some bad taste already in the consumer's minds. And nature links us as people. We're very close to nature. We're attracted to nature. But at the same time, it gives you that natural feel, Right. And then alluding to that wild experience, because you're right, you know, I've seen the, the Shark Tank pitch and 
um, everyone there got really amazed by by the impact or the effect of this fruit. And uh, no clarifying that it is a berry, and berry is such a familiar word. So get started with making sure that your brand development approaches are, are set. Like in, in this case, a very, very simplified but intentional name, Nature's Wild Berry. Another thing that was so striking and powerful for me from this conversation is as a founder, you got to know where you stand. You got to understand your mission because in your case, Hank, some of the early challenges that you've, you've faced, sum it up, is facing a lot of doubts. People told you it can't be done. People told you it can't be preserved naturally. But you decided, you know, I'm going to take this and take it as a challenge. Now, you could have just easily stopped and said, oh, yeah, they, they know this. It's probably not going to be operationally viable, not retail fit. But in your case, you took it as a challenge, but you also did a lot of work. Like you mentioned, it took you three years before you even finally launched this to the market and convinced your best friend. But one thing that I think should drive, I'm a business owner myself, I'm a founder, and one thing that drives me is knowing your personal why. Yes. Like in your case, you mentioned that this is not just any product. This is more than just a business for me. It's understanding that this became life-changing for me. And I want to share this with other people. You didn't even zero in on just saying that it could be weight loss. This could be a lifestyle brand. But you went in and say that, you know, this affected me in, in, in such a life-changing way that it helped my health be better. And we know that when health is wealth, that's that's why there's a niche and an old saying that says the health is wealth. Because well, everything else becomes... Exactly. It's how you think. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So if you're if you have that, you know, it's it's gonna make things better for you. And then on a on a tactical point of view, we we both agree that driving product trials is a critical point of any CPG growth. In your case, you've shown us a real proof of how being strategic and knowing how to prioritize your marketing platform and initiatives could be life-changing for you. In your case, you could have probably spent months and months trying to go door-to-door and it's going to feel like, yeah, I'm hassling day-to-day. But if it doesn't really move the needle for your brand awareness, it's not going to work. In your case, fortunately for you, you realize that this is going to be an influencer play. And I would have, if we have time, you know, I think there's a lot of things that we could have uncovered from your conversation with Gary V, but that's probably for a follow-up episode. But what I'm saying is, be sure that you're you're understanding where you should go in terms of your marketing pathway. And then be sure that you're doing the tactical outreach methods the right way. And I want to quickly recap what you shared. Ask one to two questions, top. Tops. Yep, tops, right? Don't don't get so salesy and pitchy and greedy, I'd even say. Give without expecting anything in return. And I think that's a powerful way of doing it, Hank. And then the yeah. word of mouth effect could could be there. Another component that you've touched on this, um, and I hope our, our listeners caught that as well, is you still got to think operationally. Now, you can't just be like, you know, this is an exciting product. I'm going to hit my marketing. I'm going to hit my brand. I'm a brand specialist, and I don't even go out and say, just nail your brand and you're going to win because it's not the, the reality is. I'm not going to sell you on that. But operationally, like in your case, you had to figure out how to make it more affordable more accessible and giving it a shelf life. I, I noticed that you mentioned you freeze-dried it and I was thinking like, okay, so that's how they did it. They figured out operationally how it can work. And then talking about the PNL, and you shared a, like a good tactical point of view here, sampling works. But my definition of driving product trials is when your customers actually part with their money to test your product. That's the real essence of sampling and testing, right? In your case, as CPG founders, while you might feel that, you know, I need to really like invest in this and spend on this on my own. But how proved to us that you can actually be smarter about the way you do sampling because you got to be wary about sampling too much. Most businesses or a lot of businesses can go out of business just by doing this the wrong way. If Hank can charge, why can't you? But you got to make sure, you know, right? If you got to make sure that you're making an exciting environment. And then I also want to allude, of course, my favorite subject would be brand. And you mentioned something about brands are built and made through the efforts of its customers. Marty Neumeyer, who's one of my brand heroes, would always say that brand is not what you say about your product. It's what people say about your product when you're no longer listening, right? So that's what brand is. And then some last notes would be 
if you're looking to expand into retail, and I'm all for expanding into retail, but my guidance would be scale, grow as much as you can, just don't grow unprepared. That's like right. in, in your case, Hank, make sure that you've got the right awareness level. You're getting a very substantial repeat order rate or repeat purchases rate. And you're, you've reached a point where it's really accessible in terms of price because your formula that I got in terms of increasing reorder rate would be accessibility in price plus product quality. And finally, you know, you can't be a founder if you don't do the, the legwork. Because the biggest liability in CPG is that people don't know your brand. You don't have any leverage. You don't want to get delisted when you scale up too fast. So as a founder, get out there, do the work, set a very exciting tone for your brand. Is that a fair recollection of some of the things that you've shared and anything you want to add to that? Interviews I've ever had because, man, no one does that. I love it, man. That was beautiful. Appreciate that. And it's one thing that... I almost want to take those notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. But you know, I've taken it as a you know as a personal and a professional ethic that if I invite someone like you, Hank, because I know it's been there, you know, your time is precious. The very least, I need to make sure that I give the audience a really insightful conversation and they listen very well. So I appreciate you saying that, Hank. And as I mentioned, you know, I could go on and talk to you and ask you a lot more questions, but I'm going to ask you my final question and then we'll go to the final segment. I know that, you know, this is on a personal note and we've established that CPG can be a tough space, but it can also be a life-changing endeavor. I want to ask you, Hank, in your years of being a CPG founder, and I'm going to make this two prong so you know it, I could maximize this. What's the end goal for you? And what's one thing that you've discovered about yourself during these years? Yes. So I think that the end goal is to make something that outlives me. And you can't, you can't do that if you sell too quickly. Um, or you sell to the wrong person, the wrong people, the wrong company, the wrong multinational conglomerates. You know, we're not going to name any names on this, but you can probably think of some very large companies who will buy competitors and then put them on the shelf in the back and no one can buy their stuff anymore and they're sunset and retired. And meanwhile, the founders have a pretty big payday, you know, but... Um, Luckily for me, I have a history um, with making having a lot of money and then not having money. And um, I actually found that I was just as happy uh, in my day to day without mansions, <laughs> you know, like I like uh, like with Walkman playing basketball with my friends, <laughs> sleeping <laughs> on the couch. Like as a founder, if you can do that, then I suggest you can, you know, take the risk and start a company. Um, but no, I, I'm definitely not, I, I wanted, I wanted Mark and Lori because I think that I really think that strategically they are the perfect investors to be on our cap table because they really got it they really i marks did what you did and he summed up what i was trying to say nice and efficient on the show right and i was like you get it you get it you really really get it (laughs) and um so yeah part of it part of it is knowing your why like you came to like you came and said like you know do you want do you want your brand to um be out there and do you want it to reflect great on you or do you are you just in it for the payday are you you, there's nothing wrong with trying to get money you know if you want to start a company and try and sell it in five or ten or fifteen years or whatever just know that once you sell it it's not yours anymore and someone else can decide if it's gonna live or not you know what i mean and so that's why I gave this, you know, a 15 to 20 year window of my life just totally dedicated to making sure that, you know, when we're up and running, it's not just going to be a national brand. It's going to be an international brand. And, um, you know, I'm going to have people in place that really want to see it succeed, who feel as passionate about our mission as, as I do. And, um, 
you know, I, I'm not naive enough to think this is where I'm going to end either. I have big plans for, you know, my future endeavors too. And I think that this is a great way to introduce, you know, Hank Watt to people who have never heard mm. of Hank before. And, you know, um, part of, part of selling anything to anybody is building trust and, and being likable and having people understand like where you're coming from. Um, because, you know, if you're just an, a no name and you try and do something big, that's going to be your biggest obstacle is that, you know, people just are not going to be familiar with you. So, you know, I would suggest for a founder, like know that everything that you do is under a microscope. If you are succeeding, mm -hmm. people are looking for a reason to blame that on some sort of a cheating thing or whatever, like you need to be like very intentional with your time and the words that you use and, and what you're known for because you've got pretty much one shot at, you know, introducing yourself to the public. And, you know, if you want to grow from there, then, um, you know, you need to be thinking about that. That's all I'm saying. You need to be thinking about what you want to be known for. And then, because to me, life is so short, man. Life is so, goes by so fast. You mm -hmm. know, just yesterday I felt like, I was doing crossovers in the gym, you know, going right, going left, being called Michael Jordan. And, you know, I just, you know, as much as I play today, I don't have those knees anymore. And that was 20 years ago, you know, fast. So what can happen in the next 20 years? And are you going to, does anyone ever get that time back? And what are you yeah. building? Right. So that's kind of like, um, that's kind of like my message to people who are just thinking about the quick buck. Because mm. there's so many ways that you can make money, you know, there's so many ways and, and uh, just do, do what you think would make uh, like you proud if you were reading your own novel, I would say. I love that, man. And it's a perfect way to end this. Um, I usually don't speak anymore after that, but I gotta say this, you know, it, that's so powerfully said, Hang, that it got me reminded of my own why. In the past couple of years, I was like, growth, growth, growth. You know, I want to like build this business. But this year, I'm all about balance. And a real example of that would be before I jump onto this call, my 21-month-old daughter woke up and I made sure that I went down, you know, and gave her a kiss, gave her a good morning, gave her a hug. And that's that's what life is about for me. You know, I'm not building the business just to affect my life, but I'm building a business around my life. So thank you so much for that, Hank. And, you know, as I mentioned, this has been really great, but I need to go now to the last segment of the show, which I call the sure. finish line. You know, it's basically the lightning round where I have five questions that I want you to answer as concisely as you can as possible this time. You game? Go. One, name a characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed. Um, determination. Love that. Second, any book or podcast that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read or listen to? Mike Fada has a book called Grow, G-R-O-W. That's nice. Third one, what is one thing that you fear the most as a founder? That's a great question. What do I fear the most as a founder? I would just say like, um, I guess like not looking both ways before you enter the street, like, you know, just getting taken out too fast. Wow. Yeah, that's, yep. That made me stop and think. Thank you for that, Hank. The next one would be, if you're not an entrepreneur now, what do you think would you be instead? Everyone thought I'd be a doctor uh, because both my parents are doctors, grandparents are doctors. The last thing I'd be is a doctor. Um, I know that what I would be doing would be in sales. Um, and so it's very hard for me to see like not bridge the gap from sales to doing something under my own. This is my third company. So it's really hard, but, um, you know, I would not be on wall street. I'll tell you that I would rather be, I would rather be, <laughs> you know, picking up trash in a dumpster <laughs> on the beach and, you know, renting my time to something else. I didn't like. Gotcha. Finally, Hank, I want you to complete this phrase. Success is. Yeah, I mean, um, sounds really cheesy, but it's uh, success is being with the people that you love, doing the things that you love, um, spending as much quality time in that area. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Hank. It's been fun having you on and appreciate you being so generous and sharing a lot of your experiences and insights. But before I let you go, can you please tell us where is the best place for people to learn about you and Nature's Wildberry? Oh, well, I, <laughs> if you just picked this up on the last half of this, you should start over from the beginning. <laughs> um, LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. And if you're not utilizing LinkedIn as a founder, you're missing out. They uh, ought to charge way more for that product because it's really the foundation of your business is built on relationships. And that is the only the only platform that gives you firsthand knowledge of others and you can go from online to offline. So I highly recommend uh, you paying whatever you can to be a LinkedIn person, time and money. Um, so linkedin.n.hankwatt or slash Hank Watt. Um, you know, you can email me. My personal email is hankwatt at gmail.com. Business email is hank at natureswildberry.com. Um, and uh, you'll find me in Slack channels everywhere founders are. You're going to find me in Expo Wet. You're going to find me <laughs> anywhere. Food is, uh, food is a fun time for me. So, What's your brand's website? Nature'sWildberry.com. Gotcha. We'll make sure to link those up in our show notes. And once again, Hank, thanks for being here and wish you all the best and may God bless you. It's time to improve your website conversion rates so you can increase online sales and help you build a profitable CPG brand by downloading your free copy of the complete playbook for creating a killer CPG website that converts. This has six proven strategies that can help you build a CPG website that sells itself. Go to thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook. That's thevineyardbc.com slash free playbook.